1: Hey, 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 welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. We're back from our week off. It felt like a couple of years, and you know, in the meantime, I really do hope that you've been well since the last time that we spoke with you. Now, I'm Aris Will just in case you forgot, and I, for one, I'm excited to be back to talk about our favorite team, the Chicago Bears, and today I'm joined by two of my co-hosts. I have Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano. Guys, I want to know how's it going. The last time we all kind of hung out was at the Blackhawks game a couple weekends ago, and... It's good to see you. It's been some time, but I'll be honest, it's starting to really feel like like the offseason, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Things are getting kind of slow.
2: Unfortunately. I mean, it really does stink around this time when your team is not playing in the Super Bowl. But it is good to be back. And like you said, well, it's been, it feels, it was just a week, right? But it feels like it's been like a month almost since we've been on a podcast or doing a podcast. So I'm glad we're back and doing this again. And hopefully you know, make time go by a little bit faster.
1: And for those wondering what we're doing in our time off, uh, I've for one, I've been coaching uh, my guy, my little guy, AJ, his uh, kindergarten basketball team. So that's been kind of on my agenda. Nick, you've been kind of getting back into basketball as well with your kind of scorekeeping
2: for high school, right? Yeah, yeah. I didn't think I'd ever do it because I did it once for like a, a school project and, you know, it went all right, but I've kind of gotten into a groove of things, so it's been kind of fun actually covering high school basketball because, God forbid, if you watch the Bulls, it'll just be very depressing. Waukegan, where I went to high school, is doing pretty well in basketball right now.
1: Brandon, any updates about what you've been up to throughout our time uh, during this mini hiatus that we had?
0: Uh, yeah, I'll just continue to up us up one level on basketball here. I've been watching the hottest team in the Big Ten lately, the Purdue Boilermakers. I had uh, finished up the last few games <laughs> of my uh, uh, five-game season pass, and I won't bring up the... Rivalry win that Purdue had over Indiana. Uh, I'll leave that one at bay, but...
1: Okay, I just muted Brandon if you're wondering why he cut off because he was talking about Purdue beating IU, and we don't have that on this podcast. That is left for uh, the side conversations, Brandon, but you can come back in just a minute. You're in timeout right now, but let's just go ahead and jump into it. I'm very excited to get back to Talking Bears Football, and just for those listening, wondering what are we going to talk about? That's a great question, so here's a rundown of the show. That way, you know what to expect. We're going to begin by sharing our thoughts on Chuck Pagano's first presser as the Bears defensive coordinator that took place earlier this morning. Then we're going to turn our attention to the Pro Bowl and discuss a few bear specific topics uh, regarding that. And then after that, we're going to quickly look at the Senior Bowl, share a couple of players that each of us believe that the Bears should be looking in at. Afterwards, we're going to kind of reflect on the championship weekend, share some lessons that uh, the Bears should have learned from that weekend, how the Bears stack up to some of these Super Bowl teams, and who knows? Maybe we'll even predict that game. And then we're going to go ahead and just wrap the show up by taking the time to answer a few fan questions at the end. So, Nick, are you ready to get going?
2: Absolutely. Let's let's get this started. B?
0: Let's do it, do it.
1: All right. I just wanted to make sure you're still here. I didn't know if you were going to leave or not after that. So, like I said, let's just go ahead and jump right in. And like I mentioned earlier today... The new Bears defensive coordinator, Chuck Pagano, he spoke with the Chicago media for the first time earlier today. And I want to just go ahead and begin the show by taking some time to talk about what he said. And just to kind of kick off this conversation, Nick... His mindset, and I think that's been the one that everyone's been kind of chewing on throughout the day, is to, quote, wreak havoc, which I mentioned aligns perfectly well with Pro Bowl defensive end, Akeem Hicks, which, by the way, it's great to kind of uh, you know preface him by saying he's a Pro Bowler. Um, his quote that he had uh, before the season of destroy, destroy everything. I want to know, Nick, when you heard Pagano speak and he talked about what he's going to bring to this defense, what kind of stood out to you today?
2: Yeah, that quote, wreak havoc, I-, I couldn't help but just smirk a little bit when he said that because... With the Bears, with what they have on defense, and then just that mentality where you're going to bring the blitz, bring that pressure, make it tough on opposing quarterbacks to throw each and every down, that gets you excited. And look, the season just ended, but I'm already looking forward to what Pagano's able to do with these defensive playmakers uh, on that side of the ball. So, yeah, it just gets you looking forward to the season, even though it's so far away now. But just when he said that, I was really excited about it. But another thing that with just the whole entire time Pagano's up there, you can just tell that he was just really thankful to even be there in the first place, just be a coach in the NFL. He kept reiterating that throughout the entire press conference and it just seems very genuine with him. So I really like that about Pagano. Um, I think that he's going to be just a natural fit when, uh, ev- whenever people are going to ask him questions, he just seems like a guy that will one crack a few jokes, but can get down in the business. He was kind of breaking down some plays as he was doing the press conference, but you know, I liked what I heard and you just want, Bears football will be back because that defense is going to get after opposing teams.
1: Yeah, and he was talking about how bored he was being away for just one year. I think he said he went to the dry cleaners and took this <laughs> clean shirts just to find some things to do, <laughs> uh, which is a testament of you know just how much football means to him and just by being away from it, uh, how much of like his own personal identity was kind of lost, and that's why he did want to you know express his gratitude to the Bears to Matt Nagy for being here, given this opportunity because. He's excited to get back into coaching and he says like when you step away with it and how he did the consulting for the officiating, something that stood out to me is that he now understands like the rules of this game and how the reviews are handled much more than he ever did before at any point of his career, which I believe passing that knowledge along to Matt Nagy is going to be beneficial for the bears in the long run. But what about you B anything stand out?
0: Yeah. I like that. He he cracks jokes and just to talk about, you know what he was doing again uh, while he was out of football, you know, he said, I think the first week or so after he got back uh, from football and him and his wife were kind of getting at each other cause she has kind of her own thing going. And I just thought that whole conversation between, you know, it took me back to my first month of marriage. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, so he's a guy that can crack jokes and I like that he's lighthearted like that. Uh, but the thing, as far as a, a football standpoint goes, uh, the quote that stood out to me was uh, he said, be where your feet are. Uh, and that, I think that's important and, and spoiler alert. We'll get to this later when we talk about what we can learn uh, from the championship games uh, this past weekend. Uh, you know, don't think too far ahead. Don't overthink things. Just be in the moment and and think with what you have to do right where you're standing. Don't get too far ahead of a play. You know, don't, you obviously don't want to be lagging behind any. You don't want to be daydreaming out there picking dandelions out there at midfield. So uh, I, I like that, that he, he wants his guys to be in the moment and be right there and think exactly what's going on and to not overthink things. Just be fundamental with how they play. Be aggressive, things of that nature.
1: And he was talking about his staff a little bit today as well, and he says it's almost pretty much assembled. There's still a few pieces that they're working on here, but in terms of the coaches that they're bringing in, they want to find teachers, people of high intelligence, humble, selfless, that they can command a room, which does really reiterate a lot of things that Matt Nagy said when he went ahead and kind of built his staff. And on top of that, too, the philosophy that he's going to be kind of Uh, embodying here as the Bears defensive coordinator, uh, the acronym is KILL, which means keep it likable and learnable. And I think that is something with, and we talked about this when Pagano was first hired, how if you can bring the same kind of elements that Vic Fangio did, keep the transition as seamless as possible, but also challenge these guys to take that next step and keep it just different enough uh, that they're still hungry to learn more instead of feeling like, oh, we got this and we own this defense and they kind of just get settled into where they've been instead of wanting to get better. Um, I believe he's going to really push this defense to reach new heights. It's something that he talked about um off and on throughout his press conference. I really do believe he is the man for the job to go ahead and kind of keep them motivated, keep them hungry to know that, hey, there's still plenty of untapped potential. And he talked about the players even saying that too, that they know they're messaging him saying, we can get better. We still have more potential that we can kind of unleash. So we're excited to work with you in that regard. Nick, anything else you want to mention about Pagano? I have a couple more things. but so I'd be curious if there's any way you want to steer this.
2: Yeah, just two things. Uh, big thing for having somebody new coming in with already an established great defense, and Pagano mentioned this, is that it's going to be an easy transition for Pagano and then the players itself because he's, like you said, he's running a 3-4 similar to what the Bears did with Big Fanjo, obviously. And then he doesn't have to do too much, but he's going to, He's just going to put his own little uh, wrinkle just wherever he feels best. And that's obviously where this aggressive mindset comes with the blitzing. So I think that's great for a defense because you don't want to change things. It was such a great defense, you know, just last season that you just want to find ways where you can tweak and make it a little bit better. And then I tweeted this out quick.
1: Can I actually jump in on that? Because there's a really good point here that something he brought up is that he's like 90% of the starters are going to be back. And he's like, so I'm going to take it upon myself to make my job difficult, to learn what they did, to make it as easy for them because there's more of them and one of me. And I think that's the selfless attitude he was talking about. And when he kind of said that as well, that's a perfect embodiment of exactly, you know, practice what you preach. Uh, So he Mm -hmm. wants to kind of find a way to, I think he said, bridge the gap and merge it in a way that's easiest for the players. He'll take the burden and shoulder the load of taking on a learning curve so that way they don't have to. And I think that is... Uh, beyond smart is a very astute way to kind of go about this. So I just
2: wanted to kind of chime in with that as well, but go right back, Nick. Yeah, no, that's a very great point. And then the one thing, and I also tweet this out as well, it's like for the this defense to take that next step, paganos he referenced Phil Jackson, what the Bulls were able to do. Every single year, they wanted each player to kind of have this rookie mindset. You're a rookie now. Just kind of uh, have that mindset when you're you're thinking of it, so then you're just learning more. You're taking everything very critically and just trying to get better each and every day. Well, he wants that same thing for these Bears players. There's there's guys that are, you know, like Cleo Mack, who's been an MVP. You have Kyle Fuller's a pro bowler, a bunch of pro bowlers now in this defense. But he still wants them to come in each and every day as if they're a rookie just a day one starting that have to prove themselves and just learn in each and every day and get better. So I like that about this uh, about this mentality that Pagano has, that even though it is a great group, he still wants them to find ways to get better. Like you said, Will, they texted Pagano, some of the players saying that we can get better. So it, it works hand in hand. I think this is just a great marriage between the two, the the defense and then Pagano, where it's you ultimately will probably see the defense get better, which is really hard to say because it was such a great group last year
1: exactly is uh so does that make khalil Mack like our michael jordan and then like what eddie jackson or Scottie pippen i mean i'm down with that <laughs> i think akeem would be a dennis rodman but that's just my two cents in a different <laughs> aspect i mean not as crazy but we're getting off the real way too much basketball talk for a football yeah podcast I know. A day. you can tell it's january and the bears aren't <laughs> playing football right now b any final thoughts here about chuck pagano before we move on
0: yeah um i was gonna ask and nick kind of already answered the question here <clears throat> excuse me um but we talked about uh before we went uh live before I we went to go to the Blackhawks and up Chicago that weekend about, you know, maybe this is what the defense needed to take that next step. And so after hearing him through this press or hearing the guys text him saying we can get better, how much do you guys buy that this defense can actually get better without Vic Fangio? 100%. Personally, I think that yeah, I was gonna say I agree. It's I think it can absolutely get better. And it's kind of weird to me anyway, because when yeah, in the press conference, like I was listening to it. Uh, in the truck on the way home and I had to, like turn the volume all the way up in the trucks. He's kind of soft-spoken. So at first I was kind of like, I don't know how it's going to translate as a coach, but then think about it a little bit more. He's been a pretty good coach and down there in Indianapolis before uh, things kind of went South with the Andrew Luck injury. So I think it's absolutely going to get hundred percent better image to hear what Nick has to say too. You know, prior, I guess even right when we
2: signed him, uh, and I, I we had a podcast about that. We were talking about it. I, I was a little skeptical because look, Vic Fangio is a great defensive coordinator. They were a very good defense. And you just don't know if they can, you know, replicate some of the numbers and some of the things they did. But for some reason, I'm coming around to it. Maybe because football's done and over with. I'm just <laughs> feeling very optimistic about what the season can be. But when you look at the personnel, I think they're just they're they're set to go rush the quarterback. They really are. Instead of having Cleo Mack, Leonard Floyd going back in coverage, which at times can work. But no, those guys are meant to just go after the QB, wreak havoc, like he said. So that's why I'm a little optimistic. And that's why I think that Chuck Pagano can get the best of them and you know, even make this defense even better. He talked about being mentioned as one of the best defenses. He said that the personnel's there. So now he just needs to make it happen.
1: Yeah, and on top of that, too, one thing I just want to mention to kind of put a bow in this conversation and wrap it up here. Uh, would be that he talked about not wanting really any more aspirations to be a head coach, um, which I believe is uh, very intriguing because you don't hear that a lot in the NFL. You always look for those guys who are looking for that second chance. He's like... I've been there, I've done that, but I'm. he's like, at times I did miss being a defensive coordinator. And he didn't want to go entirely into why, but I think it's just more the hands-on work. He kind of missed that. And I, with him taking a year off, being a little extra hungry and fortunate for this opportunity, I think he called it like a dream come true to be here in Chicago to coach this defense. And I think he's going to take that attitude each and every day. And for you know a guy who did beat leukemia, he understands, you know I think, life a little bit differently than most people do uh, because he understands uh, taking things for granted how most people will. And I don't think he's going to do that. So I believe uh, that kind of mindset is really going to be able to help this defense. And Brandon, you talked about him being a little bit soft-spoken and he is with the media at times, but if you ever want any sort of like insight of what he can bring to that locker room, uh, just look up Chuck Pagano, uh, like locker room speeches. And I know that from the Colts, they had a bunch and he's really good at kind of, you know, rallying his troops behind him. So it's kind of in the same way as Matt Aggie. I think Matt has a little bit more of that energy as, as well, but and speaking of that, he also talked about, Matt, how the culture that he's built is phenomenal. And that's that still out to me as well that, you know, Matt Nagy's building a culture in a locker room that is respected uh, league-wide, which I think is a very uh, exciting thing if you're a Bears fan to kind of hear. All right, so up next, we're going to go and talk about the eight. Yeah, that's right, eight Bears Pro Bowlers, seven that are in down in Orlando. Uh, so seven down there taking part of Pro Bowl activities this week. But first, got to take a quick timeout to tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets online can just be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's really hard to know who to trust. And that's why SeatGeek is the way to go. SeatGeek puts millions of tickets in one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. There's nothing quite like being there in person, either a Chicago Bears game or another artist or venue all around the country, all around the world. And SeatGeek is uh, the place that gets you closer to the action for a great value. And again, there's a lot of reasons why I like I like SeatGeek, and I use it all the time. And I've talked about them often on the podcast. But today I just want to remind you that there's two features that if you can buy and definitely help you out. Number one, set a maximum price. Know your budget and do that. And on top of that, go ahead and uh, check out uh, the best seats available and sort them by grade. That way you can choose the best seats that fit your budget. That's exactly what we did when we went to see the Blackhawks game here a few weekends ago. I was like, guys, what's the most you want to pay? We put it in, I sort of buy a deal, and we found some great seats in the eighth row right by the ice for a really reasonable price, and we're able to go, had a great time. Uh, so definitely check out that strategy. It does, uh, does me wonders, and I'm sure it would you as well. Plus, every purchase on SeatGeek gets fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. So make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source from everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And again, I just use SeatGeek uh, to check out those Blackhawks tickets, and again, you just go ahead. Within a few taps, you're instantly able to find some seats, so definitely check it out for the next event that you're looking for. And the best part of all is that our listeners do get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible. I'm Eros Will I'm sitting down with my co-hosts, Nick and Brandon, and we're set up and ready to discuss Pro Bowl week from a Bears perspective. So again, there are eight Bears that were voted into the Pro Bowl or based off the alternates as well. Seven down there right now, but just in case you want a full list because I don't think we can ever really talk about Bears and Pro Bowls too much. It's been quite some time. Uh, down there in Orlando, you have Mitch Trubisky, Tariq Cohen, Charles Leno Jr., Cody Whitehair, Kyle Fuller, Eddie Jackson, Akeem Hicks, and the eighth one is Khalil Mack who is not in Orlando as he's missing with an ankle injury. Again, I'm sure sure he's fine. If someone's been there enough, I don't think he wants to really deal with that too much. And again, maybe he's taking the smart approach here by not really exposing himself to any further injuries. So I trust his decision on this one. But regardless, seven bears in Orlando right now. And again, I don't think I need to explain how refreshing it is to have nearly 10 bears in the Pro Bowl after barely being represented over the last decade. In fact, the seven bears who are down there right now are the most of any team so the Bears are the most represented team in all of the Pro Bowl. So guys, to kind of kick this off and Nick I want to go to you first. What does having this many Bears on a Pro Bowl roster, you know, mean to you? Um what does it signal for the Bears franchise? Is and on top of that is this like much deserving you know, a league-wide recognition being the most uh you know, the team that is most represented like uh,
2: just a good sign of things to come? Yeah, I mean, when you have a lot of Pro Bowlers, one, that means you have a pretty good football team obviously it means you're not playing the Super Bowl, but still you have those core guys that are made it to the Pro Bowl that can obviously help you lead up to that, to the bigger game, right? The game that they really want to play in. But I think it just, for Bears fans and just in general, we haven't seen a lot of good players, uh, you know, in a season and actually, you know, play a full season, you know, do what they've done until this season. So it's kind of just a breaking out party, eight Pro Bowlers. It's, it's amazing because, like you mentioned, there weren't, the uh, past couple of seasons, the Bears didn't have any, um, but it is great to see. I'm happy. I'm especially happy for Akeem Hicks because it's a guy that should have probably been in the Pro Bowl the last two years, if we're being realistic, but it, it's deserving of those guys. They, they put in a lot of hard work uh, this past season to get to this point. But I will say um, when Mitch Trubisky was announced that he was going to be in the Pro Bowl, and I don't want this to come out the wrong way, but I was a little surprised. I was a little surprised to see Mitch in there. It's great that he did it, that he's there, and I'm really happy for him. But I don't know when you think of Trubisky's season, I don't know if it's Pro Bowl worthy. Like, right? I, that's just me. And I'm not hating on Mitch or anything. I just, I just didn't think that that's like okay. This is one of the best, better quarterbacks in the league that's not playing in the Super Bowl. Now he's in it, and then obviously guys don't want to play in it. But that's just my opinion on it. And a lot of people like Dak Prescott's in it, so I'm like yeah like is he a Bowl quarterback, or you know that's that's just my opinion on the matter. I'm happy for Mitch. I'm happy for all the bears, but that's just what I was thinking when he was named. So, hey, he's having a good time down there with his team, all right
0: fantastic Let time. Him enjoy pictures
2: it. back on social media too, posting everywhere. so I you know enjoy it. I just I don't know. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Okay. I, I just want to mention again, like when you're looking for like maybe what's
1: a sign, you know, as a sign for things to come, I just did a quick kind of glance here. Last year, the Rams had five that were selected into the Pro Bowl, and now look where they're at. So if you're looking at, like, again, the Rams has always been kind of our blueprint that we've talked about all of last offseason, off and on throughout the majority of last season as well. Um, And we believe the Bears are kind of on that pace. And to see that they have five last year, which I'm not going to go through the rest of the research right here on the spot to determine if they had more that came in via alternates afterwards, but they had five players that were voted in, which is very... Uh, near what the Bears had. I think the Bears maybe had four, though, and then they've got a few of these extra alternates. But still, uh, just to see how close they are and how they're mirroring that kind of path is still, to me, as a Bears fan, uh, very, very exciting, to say the least. But, B, how about you? Uh, Personally, your thoughts on the Bears in the Pro Bowl? uh, What do you expect this week? Anything else?
0: Uh, Frankly, as an organization, it's, it's big. It's nice to have those as many guys as we have there i mean obviously the most in the nfl recognized i think that speaks a lot to the organization uh, and you know congrats to them and especially keem hicks like nick said i'll i'll echo that um but personally i don't think i've watched a pro bowl since like Terrell owens was on our roster so i mean the game doesn't do a whole lot for me uh, i mean these guys are just kind of out there having fun kind of goofing off which is fine they go out there and do their thing but it doesn't i mean i think just the the vote is really i think what counts uh, as far as like recognition for the team and the organization i don't think the game itself i mean i frankly really don't care for it i'm not gonna watch it uh I, I i'm glad that akeem hicks got in glad that mitch got in glad Tariq got in uh especially Kyle fuller as well all these guys put in a lot of hard work and were able to, to deserve it so i think it speaks more for an organization than it does for uh, in each individual player standpoint as far as going to this thing
1: so i take it no pro bowl post game show this is the vibe i'm getting <laughs> from you guys we have better <laughs> well, things to do.
0: I mean, we can do one, but I mean, I'm going to be pretty uh, absent-minded as far as what's going on.
1: No, you're good. Uh, I think. Are we, you going to uh, watch it, Will? I may check in just because it's kind of cool to see Bears helmets. It's been some time since we had a lot of those. Because like, I remember watching it with like Erlecker and Briggs and Crutes and Tillman and Hester. I mean, that was fun because like you go there and you're like. Look at all these bears, and it's been a long time since we've had that, so maybe just check in just to see all those helmets on the field at the same time. I'm not, again, like you guys, when you see Trubisky throwing balls to, like, Devontae Adams, you're kind of like, okay, I don't want to deal with that too much. Mixed (laughs) (laughs) feelings. Yeah, Um, but real quick, guys, um, on the kind of the talk here about the Pro Bowl, uh, Brian Urlacher, of course, being an honorary captain, he's coaching right now. Uh, The Skills Challenge, which took place yesterday, is going to be aired uh, seven minutes right now from the time in which we are recording. I do have a DVR, so I'm very excited about that. But uh, how do you think it is for Brian Urlacher, though? Nick, I want to go to you. For him to be there and then seeing seven other Bears there, you you better believe he feels like a proud papa, especially because he started when he got into Canton and was at the first ever Bears preseason game with Matt Nagy. I feel like he feels a little bit more part of the team compared to maybe like years past.
2: Yeah, especially because remember how that all ended with Brian Lacker. It wasn't the best of terms, but now I feel like he's being more intertwined within the organization. That's what that's what he he needs, and that's what he deserves. Being a Hall of Fame player, and yeah, we saw him in Canada. Now he's with you know seven other Bears players uh, at the Pro Bowl. I think that's great, and you know he he's a guy that you want to be around. He's a fun guy, and I'm sure everybody that he's coaching there is going to just you know take what he's saying. I guess as serious as you can for a Pro Bowl game, right? <laughs> but it, it's, it's just all about having fun. I think Brian Urlacher is a guy that can definitely bring it. They can talk about, you know, how he got his hair back and stuff like that and, you know, <laughs> all that <the> stuff. important <laughs> <things> <laughs> in life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I think he's going to have a good time being there and just being surrounded by a bunch of great football players.
1: I think he at it best. I think it was during the Trubisky mic'd up, and he's just like, you know, be here, enjoy it. And then Trubisky kind of echoed that as well. I think it was an Adam Johns article that he was just like, saying like, you know, you're here to meet a lot of cool people from around the league, celebrate your accomplishments, you know, get out of here healthy, and then we move on from there and we try to get back or, you know, take the next step even further from there because he said he's happy to be at the Pro Bowl, but this isn't the end goal. The end goal is, of course, to go there and lift the Lombardi, which, of course, is everything that we're hoping here for the very near future in Chicago. Brandon, I'm going to ask you a question, and it may sound very odd, and I apologize, but... In a way, for these Pro Bowl selections, do we have to thank Phil Emery just a little bit with Charles Leno Jr. and Kyle Fuller? Yeah, I think a little bit.
0: <laughs> I don't know that I give him all the credit, but I mean, he at least got him to the organization anyway. So, yeah, I guess a little credit to do there.
1: I hate to say it. I really, really <laughs> right? do. He drafted him here uh, first and a seventh round respectively, which is really cool to see both opposite ends of the spectrum. We have a first round pick and a seventh round pick here at the Pro Bowl. Uh, But I'm going to also thank Ryan Pace for making sure neither of them walked, getting the extension for both Fuller and, of course, Charles Leno Jr. as well. All right, guys. So I know and I get They already recorded yesterday the Skills Challenge. It's going to be on TV here now in five minutes. I'll be watching it after we record this podcast. Um, But there are two bears that are partaking in this, and it's going to be Trubisky and Akeem Hicks. And like I mentioned, they're going to be coached by Brian Urlacher. And the drills are... A little wonky. Uh, they include a precision passing, which is something we've seen in the past, um, a relay race, a dunk tank, um, and even a game of dodgeball. So Trubisky is going to be partnered with Russell Wilson. And they're going to square off against Andrew Luck and Deshaun Watson for the precision passing. So, Nick, I actually want to go to you because you're talking about Trubisky not being in the Pro Bowl and maybe talking about his <laughs> season not being... 100% worthy of it, which is a very, uh, very fair point to be debated. Um, but how do you think he's going to fare in this precision passing comparative like a
2: Watson and a Russell Wilson and an Andrew Luck? So I think Mitch Trubisky could do some pretty good things in that, that drill there. There's nobody coming after him. He could just sit in the pocket and throw some darts, throw some dimes. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes. And, you know, Deshaun Watson is on the other side. 2017 draft class, that's going to be some kind of big thing on Twitter. Oh, Trubisky, you know, hit more targets, hit more targets than Deshaun Watts or whatever. But Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson, those are guys that are pretty, pretty darn accurate. So it would be nice to see Mitch Trubisky. And look, they're all competitors. They're going to say, oh, you hit that one. They're all going to compete. So it's going to be fun to see, fun to watch. Um, I think that Trubisky would do well in that, in that, uh, that challenge there.
1: Yeah, I mean, remember the video after he got drafted, and he threw the ball through the tire, and that's what I yeah. thought. He's very precise, especially in some of these drills here. And Brandon, I want to put you on the spot. Out of all four quarterbacks, what number does he rank in terms of hitting targets?
0: Boy, it's tough to put him at two, because with Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson in that group, ah uh, man, I don't know. I, I'll say two. I'll, I'll go out on the limit. I'll say second. I think he's gonna be behind Andrew Luck on that one. And the best part about
1: all this is, by the time most people listen, besides those here live on YouTube, which, by the way, thanks for being here, really do appreciate you, uh, they're going to know ahead of time. So they're going to be like, well, guys, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One last thing. Any idea what Akeem Hicks is going to do here? I think he's like the extra non-quarterback player uh, that the coaches, which was Erlecker, got to bring on. I don't know if he's going to be really good in a relay race. He would be kind of funny to see get dunked if he was in the dunk tank. Um, But then if he's in a game with dodgeball, he's a Hell, target. So I don't know how long he's
2: gonna last.
1: <laughs> Any idea how we're gonna see Keem Hicks using his skill challenge, guys? Yeah, I
2: have no idea. I mean, he's such a big dude, and I look agile for a big guy. But playing dodgeball or I, I don't know, I have no idea. It's gonna be again interesting. to See what he's doing out there. Hey, who knows? Even maybe then, he can. Uh, can he dodge a wrench? I don't
0: say even then. Do you really want him in the dunk tank? Because I mean that's a lot of weight to be putting on the bench, you know. And if it just can't support him, then he dunks anyway. And then I don't know if that, you know, what it means if they they dunk him or not. I don't know what that means. I don't watch the skills challenge either. I, so I dodgeball. Maybe the precision passing. Maybe he's the fifth guy. I don't know. Maybe he's
1: that fifth <laughs> precision passer. It'd be interesting to see. Regardless, whatever he has to do tonight or already did yesterday, it's so weird how they do this. He's gonna have a lot of fun. He's a guy who just always finds the joy in things. I'm very excited to see. Uh, Just the energy that he's going to bring, whatever challenge he's going to be partaking in, I for one... I'm excited to see. Who knows? Maybe he's going to be in a relay race. He's going to be you know, the anchor of it, and he's going to win it. Who knows? <laughs> we'll find out here. Uh, at least I will here in a couple of hours. Those listening are
0: Hey, he know. does have a rushing touchdown this year, too.
2: <laughs> he does. This is true.
1: Well, he's going to have some severe confidence when he goes out there. <laughs> Anything else you guys want to mention about the Pro Bowl? I think as fans, we should be very excited about the talent being here, being recognized, um, even if Nick doesn't agree that... No, I'm kidding. I'm just giving you a hard time. But... <laughs> Regardless, having league-wide recognition, I think, is a great sign of things to come. It's, uh, and I think it's a little bit of validation for Ryan Pace for building a roster with all of this talent. And, again, there's even guys out there who wish to be there. Like Danny Trevathan has been very vocal on Twitter. I was like, oh, I, I wish I was out there with my guys. And you can tell that you know they're missing each other as well early in the off season, which is always fun to see that they're that close and they already want to get back to it. There's still some unfinished business, which may be the motto of 2019 here on the podcast. We'll see how it all kind of shakes out here. But any final thoughts about the pro bowl guys? the most have talked
2: about the pro bowl. Yep. Ever. I think. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah, right. I mean,
0: well, uh, yeah, real quick. It's just nice to get the, get these guys recognized. Finally.
1: Absolutely. All right. No more pro bowl talk for a year or hopefully two years. If we want to skip the pro bowl altogether next year, but that's a topic for a different day. So from one bowl to another, It's time to look at the Senior Bowl that's going to be taking place on Saturday. Scouts from every team have been hard at work all week long learning more about these prospects. And for the Bears who don't have a pick until the third round this year, they're going to be obviously keeping some tabs on some of these players who are going to be available at that stage of the draft. Um, In fact, they've already met with one player that may, I think, would make you happy. I don't even have to say may. It definitely will make you happy to know about. So guys, I know that we begin our Say the Franchise series next week, and that's where we're going to really... hammer down and scrutinize and analyze each side of the ball and lay out the off-season blueprint, including some top needs, et cetera. But again, we know that this team, I think we know this bears team enough to really understand you know, which positions and maybe players that they should at least be interested in. So I'd be really curious to see exactly where you guys go with this. And if you want to take the player that they've already met with, I will even let you have it. I have it in my notes just in case you don't. But let's go to Brandon first. Who would you as a Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy, as you're watching these players this week, who would you be paying attention to?
0: Well, I'm looking at uh replacing, you know, the big three free agent guys, Bobby Massey, uh Bryce Kelly, and Adrian Amos. I mean, I think it's kind of been talked about that the Bears are gonna let one of these three guys go. Uh, so just kind of looking at some of the different options here, they let go of Bobby Massey that I'm looking at, uh, Chuma Etagoa. Again, not paid pay to pronounce names and maybe we might have to end up pronouncing that one. I don't know, but he's an undersized tackle. Uh, and you can always put on the weight. I mean, whether that's weight room or through eating, he can, I mean, he's undersized right now. He's 295. He's from USC, smaller guard or smaller tackle. Uh, so he'll be able to move more, more freely, more openly, uh, a lot quicker, more lateral movement, uh, from him. Uh, so I think that he'd be a good athletic tackle to have, especially in this offense. And, even you know, if they decide to let go of Kalong, I'm looking at Michael Dieter because you can't hardly go wrong with a Wisconsin offensive guard. Uh, and then I say that, and I always think of Gabe Creamy, so I might as well take that. Yep. back. But regardless, he's, he's going to be a, a solid guy to bring in as well if they're looking to replace Bobby Master, maybe a Kyle Long. Uh, but then even looking at the defensive secondary, I've got two guys from Miami: Jaquan Johnson, he's a safety, uh, and then Sheldrick Redwine. Uh, both these guys play with a lot of swagger, and they fit well into this group uh, because their group that really takes pride in forcing those turnovers, just like Miami does with their turnover chain. Uh, and Jaquan Johnson was a guy who led the team in tackles, so I mean he's been he's been proven, and he's you know he was out. A couple games with injury, uh, so that may drop him to the third round maybe. I I haven't really looked at where these guys might fall. And then lastly, a cornerback uh, to potentially replace Bryce Callahan as Mark Fields uh, comes from Clemson, and he's got that winning background that Ryan Pace likes.
1: All right. Brandon burned through his list. So, Nick, I want to go over to you, which is good <laughs> stuff, by the way. I, I agree that these are the positions of need, um, really, regardless how things are going to shake up. They do feel like that's where things are going here. Uh, so I'd be curious, Nick, uh, just what sort of the one? I have someone who I really love. So I'm really trying to like, you know, wait for it, build some suspense here. But uh, go ahead. Who's someone uh, that you're paying attention to this week?
2: Yeah, all I have is one. And I watched a couple of games, uh, just some game tape for him today. And it's cornerback Chris Boyd from the University of Texas. This guy, just watching him, um, he's a baller. Um, he was named a 2018 Jim Thorpe Award semifinalist given to uh, the best corner in college football. First team All-Big 12 in 2018. Um, a guy that, just watching the tape, he's instinctive. He he just gets wide receiver routes, so whether they're stacked amongst each other, he just knows where a ball is going to be, where the quarterback's thinking of going. And I really like that with him. And it's, he's also a guy that he was playing on the outside, but was also put in the slot as well. So he's versatile. And that's what, you know, just Ryan Pace loves to go get some of those kind of guys. I can do a little bit of both. Also, he's able to contest a 50, 50 ball, just being able to jump up and just compete with guys. These wide receivers, taller wide receivers too, at the highest point, just, Dislodge the ball, so I really like that as well. And I also wrote in my notes, "sticky," uh, a term that we're used to with especially uh, Prince Mookamara, just a guy that is able to stick with receivers and just run with them. And can what I like about him too. Look, every corner is going to get beat; it's going to happen. But it's when he gets beat, how does he rebound from that? There are two times against TCU where this they had a, a receiver really fast, beats him, gets behind him, but he's able to wheel turn, get those hips turned around, and. It's when the ball is coming in, the receiver's about to grab it and haul it into his body, where Boyd just, you know, puts his hand in between, dislodges the ball, and that broke up a, a touchdown pass and a 40 yard gain because he's able to rebound from that. So I really like what he brings, just the the football IQ, being able to line up on the outside, the inside, and the Bears, we don't know if they're going to re sign Bryce Callahan. I think this is a guy with especially some good coaching can be what you want him, you know, ultimately to be a starter in this league. So I don't know where he's going to go. I think he's projected somewhere late second, early third. The Bears have a third round pick. So maybe that's where they go. Add some depth, even if they bring back Bryce Callahan. We don't know what's going to happen there, but that's a guy that I really like. So um Chris Boyd, six foot, 195 corner out of Texas. I think that's a guy that the Bears will be paying attention to come uh this senior bowl. All right,
1: really good stuff. Chris Boyd. I can't forget that name. I worked with the Chris Boyd years ago, so that (laughs) one sticks with me. So I have three. uh, So this would be interesting to me to run through this kind of like Brandon did, but I'm going to kind of take it slow here as I'm still going to build anticipation for the one that I fell in love with right away. So to begin with the player that the Bears met, just in case you haven't Googled it already after I mentioned it, if you didn't know, they met with a kicker. Uh, He's out of LSU. His name's Cole Tracy. Um, And he's, of course, uh, someone that they're meeting to potentially replace, uh, you know, Cody Parkey. Uh, At least they're already looking into options, which is a good thing um, as a Bears fan, of course. Uh, So last year, Tracy had an 87.9 field goal percentage. Um, He hit 60 percent. He was three of five from uh, beyond 50 yards. And his longest kick was, I think, 54 last season. And he also was 6 of 7 from the 40 to 49 range. And he just missed one field goal inside of 40 yards on the year. So, again, a kicker. I'm not going to break down his film or anything like that. Pause, ball flight. Uh, maybe we should, uh, considering our, <laughs> our luck here in Chicago <laughs> as of late. But if the Bears don't look to free agency to fix the kicker, or if they're going to do a hybrid approach where they might even invest a draft pick or get someone who's undrafted and bring them in as well as a free agent, um, then Cole Tracy may be a guy that they're already kind of interested in as they have met with him as well. And to go on number three on my list before I get up to uh my good one here. I mean they're all good, obviously. They're in the senior bowl here. Uh, but one more here of Darnell Savage Jr. He's a safety out of Maryland. He's known for being a very versatile defensive back. He can play safety, slot corner. He lives up to his name uh, of, of a savage in terms of he can really lay the wood, lay out some in- Very vicious hits. He's aggressive. He has decent man and zone coverage skills. And he has the athleticism that we've kind of seen Ryan Pace covet in the past. So obviously if they end up moving away from an Adrian Amos, uh, then maybe this is someone that they can pair with an Eddie Jackson long term. Uh, So I think Savage could potentially fit that bill. But getting to the person who when I was looking into I really started getting behind his name is Tony pa- Tony Pollard and he's out of Memphis a former teammate of Anthony Miller and he's been a for Memphis a hybrid between a running back and a receiver um, and he had success in each role. He's six foot. He's 208. He's known for being a fluid athlete, a player that can make defenders miss in space. He has decent hands and a route running ability, uh, something that we need, obviously, out of any running back in this offense. And again, the word that we've always brought up uh, that Matt Nagy wants, that Ryan Pace wants versatile. And on top of being a running back, he lined up at every wide receiver position for Memphis. And he's also a dynamic kick returner. So no matter what this guy, this kid can play, you can plug him in anywhere and he can be an impact for your team. And for your, for your numbers, people, he has 552 rushing yards last year on 78 carries, which comes out to 7.1 yards per attempt. He had 39 catches for 458 yards, 11.7 per catch. and He had nine total touchdowns last year. So, As we kind of go through the offseason, I'm going to be curious to see what the reports on him are from not just this week, but uh, potentially the scouting combine and just to see how he kind of stacks up to the rest of the competition. Um, But I think we know from Anthony Miller that Memphis can provide some great talent, and I think Pollard appears to have that potential fit that we want if the Bears even want to move on from uh, Jordan Howard and kind of have a two-back system with Tariq Cohen and another versatile back. Uh, Pollard being the, uh, I'm going to say like a bigger version of a Tariq Cohen. He might not be as fast and have the same top end speed, but in terms of versatility and the ability to play both the receiver and the running back, uh, I think he's your guy. Um, I actually liked him enough. I reached out to our draft guy, uh, Steve Like, Hey, look into him. And he's like, dude, I think this would be a perfect fit. I'm going to write an article about him this week. So there you go. So we'll check out our blog for that. But Tony Pollard out of Memphis, keep that name in mind. Any final thoughts about senior bowl? I know you guys, as we just talked about, in our preparation for the show, just having a few players, but I didn't want to kind of just cut you off just in case you had any other thoughts about it.
0: It's sponsored by Reese's and that's my favorite candy. Fun fact.
2: We are not, but maybe we could be. That That is also my favorite candy,
0: uh, Brandon. So I yes. think
2: next time we meet up, I'm just going to bring a thing of Reese's and we can enjoy Perfect. But I, you know, it, it was weird because with the bears, not having a first and second round draft pick, it's it's not that I'm not as interested in the draft. That's not the case. It's just like, man, okay, now you got to really go digging a little deeper as to, well, who's even going to be available? Nobody really knows. I mean, guys get drafted way higher, way lower than expected, so it's a little bit more difficult, I would say, and even – uh, you know, just for this game there's there's gonna there's gonna be some good players for sure that are gonna go into the league and do some good things, but it's a little bit more difficult when the Bears don't have those top picks to where you're kind of just picking nitpicking and seeing all right, is this guy even gonna be here? I like what he does, but is he like a third round talent? you know, all these different factors, but I think it just makes it it makes it more interesting honestly because we have to just do more homework on this. Exactly, it does make it more difficult, but I think Khalil Mack is worth uh, these off-season
1: problems for us to work on draft stuff. I'm not going to complain whatsoever. Uh, real quick, before we move on, a very important question for the both of you, one at a time. We'll go Nick first. Uh, Reese's pieces or Reese's pieces? Reese's pieces. B.
0: Reese's pieces.
1: Oh Oh, man! I don't want to be the tiebreaker here. I was gonna say, "What's the tiebreaker?" Yeah, no,
2: now you gotta say
0: it.
1: (laughs) I I say Reese's Pieces, even though I know know it's wrong. (laughs) But I don't say my favorite. I I like Reese's Reese's as well, but you call them Reese's. You don't call them Reese's unless you do. Do you call them Reese's? (laughs) Now I'm questioning.
2: I don't even know what I call them now because we're having this conversation, (laughs) right? I have to go to a store. Like, oh, I'm gonna get some Reese's. So then to be Pieces, yeah.
1: I just don't mention the pieces. I just call them Reese's. Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. All right. The important stuff here. It's the offseason. My God. All right. So let's go move right along to the next topic here of our hodgepodge kind of episode that we're stringing together here. Uh, And I want to talk about that epic championship Sunday where both the AFC and NFC championship games went to overtime. And next week is going to be yet another Super Bowl for Tom Brady. The and then he's also going to be squaring off against Jared Goff and the Rams. And as you guys know, on this show, we do keep it Bear-specific, so let's kind of tie this all back to our team. And when looking at all four teams that took part of these games last week, and the Rams, the Patriots, the Chiefs, the Saints, I'm curious to so a couple of lessons or one or two that you guys took away uh, from those games that the Bears need to keep in mind to take that next step that we're all hoping for in 2019. It's actually interesting because every year I feel like we had like a huge list. And this year, I had a hard time finding lessons that I don't think the Bears already know or are already kind of striving for right now in their own kind of locker room here. But Nick, I think you said it best in our chat. And kickers kind of proved to be more than pivotal to any team success this week. Is that lesson number one for everybody here, including our listeners?
2: Yeah, I was almost going to write an article about it, but I was in Minnesota at the time. Like, look at this: uh, the Rams kicker hits a 57-yard uh, field goal to win the game, and then you have Kansas City's kicker to send into OT. Like if the bears had that who knows maybe they're we're not even talking about pro bowl we're talking about them being in the super bowl but that is monumental for some of these teams where you just need your field goal kicker to come through and look in the championship games it decided well not for the chiefs but it decided that look they can either extend the game or either or even win it so that is definitely a big takeaway from the championship games uh last sunday
1: Exactly. So, if you ever wanted to know how important the kicker position is, just look to last weekend. But I think here in Chicago, here at Bears fans, we know just how you know you live or you die by your kickers. So, I, I that is definitely the first lesson to take away from Brandon. How about you? What's a lesson that you took away from the weekend?
0: Uh, well, I've got a couple, but I'll start with my biggest one. Came from the NFC. Uh, game was to really not overthink things uh, i mean the saints could have ran the ball after the big ted Ginn play uh and just kicked the field goal at the end of regulation because the rams would have had to burn their last time out after that uh, and they had been set up to just kick a, a game-winning field goal or get into the end zone late uh in regulation uh but they didn't instead they passed it on first and 10 to michael thomas uh did i just drop out or am i good you are good Oh, okay, I was looking at a different tab here and it all kind but regardless <laughs> uh the you know they they ran it or they, they threw it to Michael Thomas on first and ten, the ball was thrown low and it's a, an incomplete pass. So that stops the clock, and now the Rams have still have their last timeout left, and then the Saints throw it two more times, can't get the first down, so then they have to kick the field goal. Uh the Rams go down, get the game into overtime. Uh so really it, it just comes down to overthinking things and kind of tying it back into the into the Bears game. I mean, Tariq Cohen had four touches in that that uh, wild card game. I mean, why? That that certainly can't happen each and every time. And granted, you know, caps off the Eagles for potentially shutting them down. I haven't gone back and watched any of that tape, so I don't know exactly what happened yet. Uh, but that's something that even Matt Nagy addressed in his press conference afterwards. Is they've got to find a way to get him the ball more. And you know, why is Trubisky throwing forty three times in a game? I mean, he didn't do that throughout the whole regular season. Jordan Howard didn't hardly get any catches, which then kind of leads to uh lesson I took away, uh, and that's the Patriots, really just controlling the clock, especially in the first half. I mean, they went in with a game plan of not letting Patrick Mahomes take over the game, and they didn't hardly let him throw the ball in the first half because they kept running the ball up the gut really hard, really effectively with Sonny Michelle. Uh, so again, Jordan Howard still not getting enough touches, in that, in that wild guard came, uh, in my opinion, especially because he was one of the hottest players on the team coming in.
1: All right. Yeah, good stuff there. I agree. Obviously, uh, being able to control the clock, which has always been something that we've uh, talked here on the podcast. And of course, uh, especially with Matt Nagy in times this season, uh, he got a little bit too cute. So to take that lesson uh, from the playoff games to kind of tie it back are definitely some things that the Bears should kind of keep in mind moving forward. Uh, My first lesson uh, that I took away is for any team, and this is an obvious one, is to be able to overcome adversity. But to be more specific for these games, you need to find or have alternate options when a team takes away your best players. Cause if you look at the Rams, Todd Gurley only found 10 yards on the ground, but they still found a way as a team to rack up nearly 80 and that ability to kind of keep the run at least respectable despite Todd Gurley being ineffective, uh, really kept the Saints defense in position to honor it. And that really proved pivotal pivotal late in the game. And then when you're looking at the other game for the Chiefs, the Patriots did a good job of taking out both Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. Instead, it was Sammy Watkins who's coming away with a few big plays. And on top of that, even got their running back, uh, Damian Williams, involved. He had over 50 yards receiving and two touchdowns. I was like, Damian Williams is that name I heard about a lot from the Chiefs offense all year. He had two touchdowns for the entire regular season, but in the playoff game with a Super Bowl trip on the line, he was able to step up for two scores there. So again, the lesson here is to have a plan and the players in place to step into some bigger roles if and when a defense takes away your best options. And I think uh, on top of that, you need to have at least a handful of players that can help out through the passing game. Out of all the games that played, no team had less than seven players who had at least one catch. So the Bears do a good job of spreading the ball around. We've talked about that all year long last season. Um, But I do believe in the playoffs, as teams do try to take away your best players, the ability to spread the ball around, to spread that wealth, is much needed to
2: succeed. Uh, So, Nick, I want to go over to you. What's a lesson or two that you have? You know what? Uh, When you really think about it, when you look at both these games— both, you just need a little bit of luck on your side. Let's be completely honest. The way the Saints and that non-pass interference call that should have been, you know, called, it, it didn't. That's, I mean, in a sense, that's luck. That's bad officiating. But it went the, you know, it went the Rams way that you're able to just get away with a call like that. Then go to the Patriots game. The Edelman muff punt, It there's only a couple of centimeters away from that being a game-changing play. And then the offside on D4, I think it's D4, uh, when... Um, Brady throws an interception it's like man you some of these teams yes they're very good but look there's luck on your side there's definitely luck that comes into it winning the coin toss the 50-50 chance the Patriots get it they don't give it back to Mahomes who who knows what would have happened if the Chiefs got the ball first a little luck goes into it every now and then but to go things that are not uh out of your hands look with when you think of the Rams all season long and even going into that matchup against the Bears they love to use play action In a game against uh, the Saints, they got a touchdown with their tight end off of play action. Just they're playing to their strengths. And that's what I think both teams did uh, in the championship game. And then you talked about a little bit, Will, the adversity in that overtime for the Patriots. They had to convert on third and nine, third and ten, and third and ten. Tom Brady's throwing absolute dimes, so you got to be able to overcome, ad, you know, bad situations in order to be a winning football team that gets you into the Super Bowl. So the Bears, watching this, they know that they could have probably competed. They they know they compete. They beat the Rams, and they were a yard shy from sending it to overtime against the Patriots. So I know they were looking at these t- these two games, thinking like, man, I know that just a couple plays throughout the season could have changed the outcome. They could definitely be playing the Super Bowl, but. That's hopefully for next season.
0: I kind of want to tie your point, Nick, about luck and my point about not overthinking things. Because if the Saints run that ball, even if they don't get any yardage on it, do you think that that pass interference happens? Because that's the same drive.
2: Yeah. I mean, probably
0: not. Right. Just an interesting point.
2: It is 2019,
1: but my last lesson, defense still matters. Uh, yeah, honestly, when you're watching both games and even though all the talk and all the focus is always about the offense, it really is apparent that defense still matters in today's NFL. And I think that's a really good thing for us in Chicago, us as Bears fans. i uh, just look at both of the games. Both of them went to overtime and the winner was decided by how well a defense played when it mattered most. Or when it didn't, because in the case of the Rams Saints, Rams had that interception, of course, we can talk about every other aspect of that game as well, with all the calls, but they came away with a turnover and overtime, and that's the end of the story there is what happened. And then within a few plays were able to kinda of flip the script, put LA in a position to win with that field goal. Then the Patriots-Chiefs game, the Chiefs defense, and Nick, you mentioned it, they could just not stop the Patriots on that drive. Even if they got them to third and long, they found a way to convert. They went 75 yards and 13 plays for that game-winning touchdown. Mahomes didn't even get a chance in overtime. So for the Rams, again, to make that big-time play led to a victory. For the Chiefs, their inability to get off the field or make a big-time play in overtime – uh, led to the game, and on top of the on top of it, it was the biggest drive of the whole year, and they still could not get a stop uh, on that defense. So either way, uh, defense mattered for better or for worse for each of these teams and each of these games. Uh, defense matters, and the good news here in Chicago, like we know, we have a really damn good defense, so that's going to really help us out here as we kind of take those next steps. And speaking of next steps, I have a feeling that we all believe here as uh, the Chicago Bears are on the cusp of really making a serious run at this thing, and I mean. We did finish 12 and four this year, despite that wild card exit from the playoffs. Uh, so, Nick, I want to go to you first. How close do you think the Bears are to these teams? You could either do all four from the championship game. You can look specifically here at the Super Bowl, because when I'm looking at the Super Bowl matchup, I believe that the Bears
2: are really nipping at their heels, and they are very close to being one of these teams. Oh, I absolutely agree with that, because, I mean, they've already beat one of them. And they, like I said, they were yard shy of tying, the other one and saying it's overtime. The Bears definitely could have been in. I You know, the NFC Championship game, uh, playing the Saints, and they would have been fine. I think, who knows? The Bears should be in the Super Bowl. with If Cody Parkey gets that field goal, I have a good feeling that they go into L.A., beat beat the Rams again, um, and then give it, whether or not they beat the Saints, it's going to be a very competitive game. And this is, you know, with a young roster, with a first-year head coach, the Bears are right there. And now we're talking about Pagano and what they can do for the defense, elevate even more, and then have the offense take some steps up. Even if the defense drops back a little bit, whether it drops or goes forward, you want the offense to compensate for that. And I think it will because this was year one with Nagy. So I think that the bears are right there. They're competing for a championship uh, next season. They should be 12 and four in the first season with Nagy. They're right there and they can definitely compete with these two teams that are in the super bowl. B
1: are you on the, the super bowl 2019 train?
0: Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm pretty close to it anyway. I'm at least an NFC championship uh, train anyway, because really I think this the the loss that Matt Nagy had in that wildcard game is one that he kind of needed. Uh because he can he can look back at that game and grow, like this is a, a very high-important game. Uh what could I have done differently to not put the team in a situation where we had to trust a kicker that's been, you know, wavering all year? So if I run into that again next year with hopefully a better kicker, you know, things are a little bit better in certain aspects of the game, what could he look back and go? You know, last year we tried this and it didn't really work so this year we're going to try this you know I think that that's kind of what's needed to take those next steps sometimes sometimes you have to get knocked down and I think that's what this is
1: all right I agree guys again I think if any of us um, didn't believe that the Bears were close then you know we'd be, I'd be shocked honestly because of everything that we've gone through on this podcast covering the team paying close attention throughout this year throughout the rebuild as well and we just went through a very special season 12 wins and it produced almost ten pro bowlers as well. So for the Bears to be right there, uh, obviously you have a general manager in Ryan Pace who brings a strong flow of continual talent building this team through the draft and a culture that Chuck Pagano called phenomenal. It's one that's really as unrivaled in the league. And the Bears, no matter what, no matter what game you're looking at this year, any of the four losses or even five, if you want to look at the playoffs as well, they were competitive in each and every one of those. And like Nick's talked about luck, if a few things kind of make or break a little bit differently, who knows? We could have been previewing the Bears' upcoming Super Bowl run here. But again, uh, that's not this year. So hopefully that's kind of coming here in the future. But I do believe that they're very close to these teams. If not as talented, just need to kind of get over the hump, add a few more supplemental pieces, grow together, learn together, like Brandon said, learn your lessons, and then hopefully be better for it here next season. But again, I think this offseason really could just kind of cap off Ryan Pace's kind of grand scheme. And of course, I'm here for it. Any final thoughts about the Super Bowl before we uh, I'm going to force you all to pick a week early?
2: It's gonna be a blowout. Patriots are gonna whoop on the Rams, honestly. Oh, there you go. That's Easy what I, I mean. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a blowout. Um the way the Patriots can run the football, uh, it just amazes me sometimes where what those offensive linemen are able to do to opposing defenses. Um, I just don't see the Rams being very competitive. I know obviously they're representing the NFC, but I just think the Patriots are that much better, which is crazy. I, I honestly see it being a blowout. What's the score? Man, now you're putting me on the spot. Uh, Probably, (laughs) you know what? Easily I can see the Patriots scoring 30, and I don't know. I think the Rams are just going to get past – obviously they will be past happy being trailing, as I'm expecting, so maybe a 30 to uh, 17, something like that, but still a blowout. I like it, though. I like
1: it because, I mean, I hate to say it, but I do too see the Patriots uh, taking care of the Rams here in a week. Uh, They did a good job of really limiting the Chiefs' offense and – I think our defense here in Chicago provided a very good blueprint on how to kind of limit the Rams. And I, the thing about the Patriots and Bill Belichick and all of them, uh, they'd really do a good job of one of my other lessons was learning how to adjust when a team takes away your best option. Well, that's what the Patriots do best. They take away what you do, how you do it well, and they're going to force you to, find another way to beat them. And I don't know if the Rams can honestly do that. It's going to be very difficult to overcome it. Um, So for me, Nick, oddly enough, I had a very similar score, but mine was a little bit closer. I had the Patriots 31, Rams 21. But I do believe there will be a two-score victory uh, like you, which goes over to Brandon. Are you going to be the NFC guy?
0: No, I'm not because (laughs) it's just incredibly hard to go against uh, TV 12 and, and Bill Belichick there. Uh, yeah, I think I might have tried to go against them once, and it didn't end very well. So, uh, I I've got the Patriots winning this one too, but I don't think it's in in blowout fashion. I think it's gonna be a little bit closer because everything's gonna be on the line. Everybody's gonna be giving it everything they've got. Uh, I have the Patriots winning forty two to thirty eight.
1: Wow, I mean the NFL does yeah, like, like it's high scoring Super Bowls.
0: I that's what I was gonna say. They like the high scoring Super Bowls. At least the NFL doesn't know about the teams. but
1: <laughs> Yeah, the defenses probably don't. Defensive coordinators like, how am I going to get paid next year if this is going right. to end up being the trend? Uh, so let's we'll move right along to the final portion of our show here, guys. I have about a handful of questions that were submitted today through social media uh, that came in from our listeners, and I'm just going to kind of go back and forth between you two because you are the mailbag people on this podcast. So I figured, yeah. why do I need to stop in? <laughs> Unless there's a question that really piques my interest, and I may kind of want to just throw in my two cents. But Brandon, I want to go over to you first. Uh, this comes from Eli. Uh, he believes that Tariq Cohen should be the featured three-down back already. Do you agree or disagree, and why?
0: Um, I can agree with that because uh, he's just so versatile in how he can be used. You know, he doesn't have you know, he could line up in the backfield next to Trubisky out of the shotgun or you know behind Mitch if they're under center or whatever, and then he can just be shifted out and they don't necessarily have to run him unless it's a, a third and short. I mean, they got to be kind of creative with Tariq a little bit. He doesn't run between the tackles very well. He's not quite as patient as I'd like him to be yet, but yeah, I think he could be a third down back.
1: Any opposition there, Nick,
2: or do you agree? Uh, I don't know about that. You um, he, look, he's, he split out wide so many times and you want to have a guy that can definitely pick up a blitz. I don't know if Cohen's that guy. Um, Obviously we all saw oh, the Dante he's Fowler. He, he's yeah. done it. I was going to bring up the Dante Fowler play. He definitely stopped him in his tracks, which is a great play by Tree Cohen, but to be the guy, like on um, short yard situations too, where you need one of those heavier set guys to just run over somebody, Tree Cohen's not that. He's a guy that will make you miss and you know get that extra yardage, especially get to the outside. I would rather have the Bears have like a one-two punch: the power, power, a versatile power back, and then you have Tree Cohen, all versatility. You can do you know a little bit of everything. So
0: that's just my. Sounds take like sense. sounds like Will's guy out of Memphis what was his last name Pollard. Be uh, a nice like Will's guy. There. Yeah. yeah.
2: Told you guys. Wait, like, you mean you mean Maisel's <laughs> not the answer? No. Is that what you're... <laughs> I,
1: I, I took I broke out the crystal ball that we haven't taken out since like last all season, and it says outlook not so good.
2: Okay. <laughs> I guess it's also a magic eight ball. I don't know. I guess I should have been a little. Bit more I'm I'm like shocked by these. You know, this crystal ball. <laughs> Just kidding.
1: All right, uh, Nick. The next question for you. It comes from Drew, and oddly enough, I do believe we kind of already answered it on the show, and I'd even kind of put two and two together until I got down here in my notes. Um, He wants to know if one player is different this year, like IE Kyle Fuller catching that game winning interception against the Packers, Cody Parkey's kick against the Eagles. Do you think we're heading for Atlanta?
2: I'm going to say yes, because they get that first round bye. you have, I'm going to say yes. I think they win one more game playing at soldier field. The bears just dominated there. They're a different team at soldier field. And then obviously they would have to still go on the road to um, new Orleans, but still, I think momentum, the confidence they would have had winning, winning, uh, beating the Rams. I I think so, but you know, obviously, it didn't happen.
1: Brandon, since I did allow Nick to counter your point, I have to be, you know, do hit, do some due diligence here and allow the same. Do you agree? Do you disagree?
0: I agree with Nick. Uh, The Bears are just so tough at home, and they get that first round by just by beating Green Bay. Kyle Fuller (laughs) makes that pick. I mean, it's a, it's. I think it's a whole other season. Maybe we have another win or two under our belt. Uh, so then naturally you get the first round buy it. And like, like, well, well, Nick and I said, tough to beat the bears in soldier Field.
1: All right. next question is from John and Brandon. It's yours. Um, how much does a team atmosphere, super Bowl potential, et cetera, really factor into a player's contract? In other words, uh, he reworded this question to have a better understanding here, but I think that was worth mentioning. Uh, do you see anyone uh, in the Bears right now taking maybe, Less money than they're worth on the free agent market just to stay with the Bears. So, and I would call that like the hometown discount.
0: Yeah. I would say that uh, a team that, that's winning and has that Super Bowl potential is an attractive spot for anybody, uh, whether it be in a, a warmer city or whether it be in a colder city. I think that the, the potential of teams to, you know, if a player wants to sit down and really look at how, where's the best place I can go to win, uh, then I think Chicago's a very attractive destination. And frankly, I, I hope that Werner one or two or maybe even all three of these big free agents that uh, I listed earlier as far as potential draft picks maybe take a little bit less money uh, so that way they can continue to be a part of this culture and be a part of uh, the team cohesiveness cohesiveness that we have going right now.
1: What about you, Nick? Because I'm looking at like an Adrian Amos and of course you're also looking at some of the other ones like a Bryce Callahan, which Bryce has been for what he's given us, very underpaid on a you know an undrafted free agent you know kind of rookie contract and get, getting a uh, an extension last year, but just a one year deal. And then Amos is coming off his rookie deal. And in the NFL, especially as a safety, defensive back, you may not get many of these chances to really get that next contract. So it's again, it's kind of hit and miss. It really depends on perspective. But if you were in their shoes, would you take a hometown discount because this is a fun team to be a part of? Obviously a really strong
2: chance of making a run at it next year. Um, but I'm just curious to your thoughts on this as well. You know, to be completely honest, I think let's say Bryce Callahan, for instance, uh, being, like you said, undrafted and really just playing very well, and not getting paid very much. You're only guaranteed. So you're not even guaranteed that much time to be, you know, in the NFL being healthy. And Bryce Callahan knows that he, you know, he hasn't been he hasn't played a full season. So if someone's offering here's a big money contract, we're going to take the risk. I, there's no doubt in my mind. I think he takes it. Look, I know being a part of this team is great, and winning, you know, ultimately winning a Super Bowl is great. But these guys are only guaranteed so much time in the NFL. And a guy like Bryce Callahan, who's worked his butt off to get where he is now, I would expect him to take a big money contract over staying. Which you know, kind of sucks because he's a great player. But it's just just how the league goes. Money, money talks. It really does. And especially for a guy like that who hasn't gotten a lot. Like, uh, you know, some of these bigger guys, uh, bigger contracts, I think he would take the money or, you know, even like an Amos being on a rookie contract, you're not getting as much. So whoever, you know, ultimately gives them the biggest offer, I think that's where they're going to end up going.
0: I kind of want to counter our next point a little bit because Tom Brady's taking pay cuts because he's more about winning. So it really does kind of think come down to the individual. And I think Bryce is more of a, a team guy because he's been through some injuries before the teams may go, well, he may not get the the big contract that he thinks he should get. And that may deter him from wanting to sign one of these bigger money deals and, and stick with a team that potentially could win a Super Bowl. If it's up to me, uh, frankly, I'd be rather be a, a guy at the bottom of the depth chart who's on there winning a Super Bowl uh, than making big money because I could turn around and say, hey, I've got a ring. You know, I think that's kind of cool rather than showing all the money I've got, but that's just me personally. And it comes down to each individual.
1: And he wouldn't be in the bottom of the depth chart. He would be starting on potentially the best defense in the NFL. Okay, we'll right. say the best defense in the NFL. It's but. the offseason. I could say those things. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, arguably, yes, they are in many ways. But uh, we getting a little bit off the point here, but I, I like that uh, little debate there because, I mean, there are two sides of everything here. And, again, like Nick said, money does talk, especially with your limited windows that you do get in the NFL. It's a kind of a very – um, exclusive time in your life to really make as much money as possible. But I'd be curious to see if the deals, uh, how vast they are and how different they are. If the bears can get them at a slightly discounted rate, who knows? But if they are like some teams, like we'll go all out on a Bryce Callahan. I, I do see that being a very hard, you know, offer to turn down no matter who you are, no matter uh, where your moral code and standard kind of lies. That's just very hard. If they're going to like, we'll pay you double. Okay. <laughs> I, I'll take it. Um, but real quick, last question here. It comes from Jason. And, Nick, I'm going to give it to you because it's the most difficult question that came in um, on social media. And I wanted to give it to you because I love putting you on the spot. And it's about Kareem Hunt. <laughs> uh, so get ready for this one. If he signs with the Bears, will Chicago be accepting of him? So you're the Bears win the Super Bowl. I was going to say, uh, you're the Bears win a Super the Bowl, city. yes.
2: Yeah. I think if they win a Super Bowl <sighs> – Look, I, there's going to be a lot of people, a lot of backlash if the Bears do end up getting Kareem Hunt. But ultimately winning can, you know, not that it for, it's like a sense of forgiveness or anything like that, but you kind of, okay, they won a Super Bowl, everything's happy and joyful, but it's a tough question because I think this is ultimately going to come down in the offseason where um, Pace and Nagy are going to be like, is this the missing piece? Is this the guy that takes our offense over the top? And if they do think that, and they end up winning, you can almost be like, "All right, th- if they probably don't get to the Super Bowl and win it without Cream Hunt, so it's it's going to be highly debated." And we all know about the press conference and how Nagy felt about it and Pace and how they answered the questions. There's interest. There definitely is interest. But uh, yeah, if they win a the Super Bowl, that's the only way that you like justify the move. So yeah, thanks, thanks a lot for you know putting me on the <laughs> spot <laughs> here with that <my> question, Brandon. <laughs> do you want to touch it?
0: Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, <laughs> I will because now I'm put on the spot, but, um, I guess accepted by who in the bears organization really raises a question because I have my doubts that Virginia would, you know, I think she'd have to be coaxed to allow him on the team, especially after Ryan Pace signed Ray McDonald and then that blew up in his face. And I think that Virginia kind of put her foot down on that one too. Uh, and especially with Kareem's situation. And frankly, running backs are kind of a dime a dozen. I mean, Kareem's got a different type of speed that, you know, not very many people have seen in the league before. Uh, But regardless, you can look at a guy like Pollard out of Memphis that seems to be taking away the center stage of the show for some reason. And he can do, you know, just about the same thing. And he's a little bit of a bigger guy. And then you combine that with a three cone who's got that top end speed. I mean, I think that same combination could get you to the same place.
1: Interesting stuff. I'm not going to touch it. I think you guys, got, I mean, again, I, I, I believe actually I'll touch it because I don't want to be that guy today. Nick said it best, you know, winning forgives all sins. If the Bears found a way to win and he was a vital part of it, even if the offseason was a lot of backlash, a lot of uh, discontent with the move, and then even throughout the portion of the season. But if he comes out here and he has like 1,500 all-purpose yards from scrimmage, ends up leading the Bears in points, maybe scored on offense, or something along those lines, and the Bears make it deeper in the playoffs or even win the Super Bowl it goes a long way. And I think a lot of bears fans would, and I'm not trying to speak for you. I'm just trying to, from my perspective, you win a super bowl. It just, not that it becomes less important because it's a very important matter, but it you kind of forget about it. You get a little bit of amnesia because you're focused on the celebratory kind of moments there. And then maybe in the off season, you go back to it and like, well, how do we feel still? Or maybe he comes back, he gets that second chance that man, nag talked about turns things around. And then even though at first we're not super happy with the move, maybe he earns uh, that respect, or not. I won't even say respect, but maybe that less of discontentness. I don't know. It's kind of hard where to put it personally, and I think we're all in agreement. We talked about it in group chat. We would not make the move. Uh, I think Brandon said it best where you could find another running back down a dozen, Um, but, yeah, I think you're going to get a lot of mixed feelings real quick if that ever ends up being a possibility here in uh, Chicago. Last last, last question, because I want to end on a more positive note. Um, and I do remember one more that came through the Twitter thread. I forget the name, so if you're listening, I do apologize. We want to know the likelihood of Robbie Gold coming back. So let's put a number on it: one to ten. Robbie Gold's coming back, yes or no? I want to know what you guys are saying. I want to start off with a nine, and I think you know why.
2: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I went there, uh, Nick. How about you? I'll do you one better with a ten. I think this solves their kicking problems. Just do it. He lives in, you know, he still has his kids go to school in in the area. Uh, he was just at a Blackhawks game, I'm pretty sure. a couple days ago. He was at the NFC Champ or in the NFC Championship game. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> the divisional game. I'm sorry. I, I wish we were there. So I think it's just a smart move. You know, obviously it ended the way it did. He needed a, a new start, a fresh start somewhere else, and he's proven that he can still kick. He's only what, I think 36, 37. Adam Venterry is 47. He's still kicking field goals, except he did have, he missed two in the, that divisional game. But whatever. Um, <laughs> we have 10 minutes to so we'll worry about that. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it solves the kicking situation. We know what Robbie Gold could do, and it's just a lot better than what we've had since he's left. It, it makes a lot of sense. I know there's going to be a lot of money, you know, put into regards to the cut parking sign, uh, Gold. But you got to do what you got to do to maybe put your help your team win football games. We just talked about field goal kicking in both these championship games. How vital it was. Get Robbie Gold, solve that situation, and then move on from there.
1: I will say, you know, Ryan Pace came in, and that was one, you know, one of those first you know, those moves was like, hey, was move on from Robbie a little bit after he had that bad year, and didn't really give him that chance to kind of come back. And I get at the time as we're going through a really strong culture shift where you didn't have a lot of maybe love these guys. And after they went through the Trestman era, as well as trying to find a way to distance ourselves from that era as much as possible. And <laughs> Robbie having that down year and then kind of bouncing back. I think that's a, what Ryan Pace can kind of look back in his career as GM and realize that was a mistake. And if he brings Robbie back, I think it may be admitting a mistake in a way, but I think Ryan Pace is mad enough to be like, you know what? We should have kept Robbie this whole time. He's here now. Let's go have some fun and win. Robbie said he loves Chicago. He always will. I think he loves his Bears organization. He wants to retire a Chicago Bear. What a better way to do it than give him another chance to earn a ring here in Chicago because he was so close in 2006. I think we're very close again. He can be that missing piece. And if he can be that guy, what a cool story that would be, like a, a 30 for 30, like, you know, good as gold. And then it talks about his whole career and the ups and downs. I love the guy. I've met him a few times personally, really good guy. And I love to have him back in Chicago. It'd be a lot of fun uh, just to go with all, you know, good as gold and just, it just feels like good times again. And they do now, but it would be like a mix of like the new awesomeness mixed with a little bit of the old awesomeness, which it really can not go wrong with that. And yeah, I'm using the word awesomeness right now on the podcast, which is pretty cool. <laughs> what about you, B uh, scale to one to 10?
0: Uh, I'm going to give it a five because you know, he's either going to, or he's not. So five's kind of my 50%, uh, <laughs> But I, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't be opposed to it. I just don't know that it would happen. Uh, but they also have Andy Phillips' number, who I've seen is kicking field goals with both feet. Uh, <laughs> so I would like to see them give him a call at least and bring him back anyway to see what his thoughts are about coming back. So that's kind of kind of where I'm at. I would love to see Robbie come back, obviously, but I'm just not very confident in it happening. So let's give Andy Phillips a ring.
1: Remember when we were, oh, Brandon wasn't there. I think Nick and I were there. We were watching Andy Phillips kick a little bit versus kind of Barth. are like, oh, wow, this Andy kid, he's, he's probably going to make a serious run at this kind of position battle. And then he was like cut like a few days later, and we're like, what? Makes no sense. Why? We could have had a whole different story maybe. Uh, we would have probably saved ourselves a few kickers um, throughout these <laughs> yeah, last true. couple of years. True. But, guys, any final thoughts uh, about this show before we wrap things up? We talked about a lot today. Uh, you don't need to, like, you know, paraphrase anything you've already said, but just any final thoughts about – where we're at in the offseason. Oh, real quick. Uh, actually, this is how we'll end it. That's perfect. Uh, State of the franchise next week. Offense or defense? We each get a vote. Uh, Nick, you're first.
2: What do you want to start to say? I mean, let's go with offense. I think there's more, I guess, question marks because we know what the defense is bringing. So I think offense would be a good way to start. Brandon?
0: I agree. Let's do offense.
2: Okay, well, my vote counts for
1: three votes, and I say special teams. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually the, the one that needs the most work, so... Yeah, you're not wrong. You are not <laughs> wrong. So yeah, with that, that's gonna wrap up this episode of Chicago Audible. I want to thank each and every one of you who took the time to, you know, either to listen to the podcast or join us here live to watch the show. You know, you're all seriously the best Bears fans out there. You're global. We've been working on a project to prove just how global you are. It's coming along rather nicely and it's really neat. Um up next, like I mentioned, save the franchise. We're gonna begin our annual mini-series here where we go position by position and lay down an all season plan. And we just kind of decided here on the fly that we're going to begin with the Bears offense. So there you have it. We'll talk to you all then or sooner. And in case any breaking news occurs, we're always going to be here, you know, ready to roll just in case. But I don't expect anything this week. But if there does, uh, we'll be right here. But until next time, regardless when that is, either next week or sooner, uh, we'll talk to you then. But until then, Bear Down Chicago. Bear down.